0: This is Power Athlete, Power Athlete Radio.
1: Radio. With your hosts, Denny Kay, <laughs> Professor <laughs> Booty, and V. Luke Summers.
0: <laughs> and now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and
2: retract those scapulars. It's time for some knowledge bombs. <laughs>
1: Athlete Nation, what is happening? Episode 45, I can't wait. we got a great show for you today. As always, we got Luke and Callie, John's joining us, and Tex is on the horn as well. How's everybody doing? What is up?
3: Hey!
0: What's going on? What is going on? I, we where already I, used that there one. It is. Oh, yeah. sorry, I'm beating a dead horse. Hello, this is John Walborn. I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> Unique New York. <laughs> Unique New York. Red, red leather, yellow leather. Nice and moist.
3: Oh my God. <laughs> nice and, and moist.
0: moist. There it is. So we've been trying to come up with some taglines for Cali to uh, get the group motivated, and the one that I came up with was, "Hey guys, all right, I want to see how you guys get nice and moist." No time to start exercise.
3: <laughs> I am absolutely not using that term.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unique. New York.
3: I don't need I don't need slogans to get the group motivated. I just give them a death stare, and they get and scared. And bitch
0: mode?
1: Yeah, go full bitch. You know, bitch. I actually work
0: in the, Blast the gun. shirt. I I have a shirt that actually has an on and off, and underneath it says bitch mode. Really? Yeah, and on the back it's just going to say Cali, Coach
3: Cali. <laughs> I'm just going to tell them, like... Bring the noise. Yeah, bring the noise. I pretend to make an important phone call where I just say things like, buy, sell, sell, buy. And then I come back, and everybody's ready to go. Yeah,
1: I like it. So how did? Uh, well, let's back up. Um, a lot of people are getting anxious with the premium content. Um, they're wondering, seeing the testing, they feel like uh, they're starting to panic. Um, where are we at with that, Luke? What do you got? What do you got with the premium stuff?
2: Uh. Right now we're, we're ironing out some kinks. There, uh, the software is going to be is going to work perfectly. Uh, we got some feedback from the testing group on a couple enhancements. One thing we got to do is figure out a way to uh, make the site more mobile friendly on launch. Now, uh, it is in the pipeline to make just like we do with CrossFit Football to upgrade PowerAthlete and make it more responsive for mobile devices. But that's just not a day one project. Um, so that is in the pipeline. But right now, we got our social network put up. Everybody uh, everybody can set up their own custom profiles. Uh, everybody can set up uh, their own coaches network, athletes network. They can join specific groups within our network that are pertinent to them. Uh, right now, we just have a test group and like a big global power athlete nation. But, you know, I foresee uh you're going to have groups like the Honey Badgers or uh, the Ladies, the Power Athlete Ladies and stuff like that. We're going to have uh, – it allow just people to kind of network and have topical conversation within these groups uh, that's pertinent to their training and their lifestyle. And then the, the forums are getting ironed out. There some functionality things that that we, uh, we had to figure out how to make it more uh, compatible with our layout. So it's just it's the boring stuff like that. So when you guys get a go live uh, and people start signing up, they're going to be right in, you know, seamlessly. Um, we are finalizing the first, I guess, training block of our our programming. We're going to be up. That's going to be launched up there. John's going to be writing uh, his field strong program, which is. Uh, which is something that we've never really published. It's only been for some private clients, but we're going to find a, we found a way to globalize it, I guess, and normalize it so people can can get some additional programming. And uh, I don't know John, you want to talk about Field Strong at all?
0: Yeah, um, Field Strong idea happened, geez, a couple years ago when we started kind of naming our programs um, and. The original program that we wrote for the CrossFit Games uh, is called the Matrix, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is Fred Camacho still uses it in his Strength Stop, and he just actually texted me not too long ago about actually using it for his gem and wanted to kind of put it out there a little bit. But where this started was we started writing uh, more programming specific for. Different athletes that were under different deals, you know, following our what are we training for model. Uh, the CrossFit football has always been a general strength training template based on the power athlete model that we designed to translate for the CrossFit community, and it's paid great dividends. But uh, if you look at the program, it's pretty basic. There's a lot of holes within it. When you come to the seminar, uh, we fill in a lot of holes. There's the you know the warm ups, the plyos, the dynamic movement, uh, a lot of the uh, isometric and a lot of the, uh, you know, assessment tools that we use start making the program look a lot more like it's making sense because as it fits it's just a shell and people start kind of plugging and playing and as uh, we have been kind of reading a lot of the questions and getting a lot of feedback from people, people always wanted, um, you know, how do I take what I learned at the seminar? Is there a way that you know, you could kind of mix it up and really, you know, give us a, a first-hand understanding of you know the power athlete program or what we've commonly referred to as our field strong program and I started writing it and started putting it together and there's a narrative um, it's all the assistance work and it's all the extra uh, all the little things that we do every day in our training and our private clients and people have really got to see the full breadth of the program so uh, when we started trying to really put together this power athlete Academy the videos and we wanted to do a forum, and the harder thing with forums is they're pretty difficult to kind of manage. Like There is a certain level of moderation, and the easiest thing that I tasked Luke with is how do we make it where it's not full of trolls, and, you know, we had a form for a short period, but we got bombarded by people that were just wanting to post, um, you know, links to sex sites. And it just became impossible for you to manage, so I killed it fairly quickly. So we were like, all right, well, let's just make it a couple bucks a month, and that way it guarantees that um, it's just not some weirdo spammer. So we kind of tasked that and we started kind of adding different layers. And I think, uh, for the premium content, when I started kind of shipping over Luke, uh, programming for himself and other people, when he really looked at it, he said, man, this would be really pretty awesome for the community and, uh, for people. And I think it'd be, um, definitely something for people that wanted to really dive in deep and really, uh, you know, suck the marrow out of the CrossFit football power athlete, uh, you know, field strong program. And, uh, you know, that's what you'll see. And then, uh, as once this kind of gets rolling, we'll start, um, you know, putting out our big monkey program, which will be for those power athletes that are competing in functional fitness competitions. So we've been writing, uh, I've worked with a dozen or so athletes that are, you know, games athletes and what does their programming look like? How do you take that and, you know, transition from this kind of, I want to be strong, big, fast, uh, explosive athlete and actually start kind of taking it in a different direction with the idea of using it in some form of uh, competition, some form of functional fitness. So uh, there'll be two separate programs. Uh, probably the Field Strong will launch day one, and then the, then the Big Monkey will come a little bit later. And, uh, you know, the Big Monkey is really, you know, that's why my buddy Rick has called me for years. He's always called me a Big Monkey, so it was kind of an easy deal and also fits with the analogy we gave. Uh, on training, so in my own training style, so this is a lot of stuff that we do, this is a lot of stuff that I do, and this is just a lot of, a little bit more and just taking it another avenue. Nothing will change in CrossFit football, CrossFit football will still be programmed, you'll still be able to go to the site, you'll still be able to get all, uh, everything that you get every day, but, you know, for the people that want more, we just a static site that, Post workouts, Um, you know, they want to get really dive into this thing. They want to really see what the full effect. And it's been really exciting for me because, in a way, um, writing the CrossFit football program has been extremely enriching. But it's also been somewhat—I don't know—leaving me a little unfulfilled in that. There's so much more I want to write. There's so much more I want to put out there. Like, I want to guide people a little bit more. I want to give them so much more information. Uh, And we did know how to necessarily deliver all that information and all that content in a way that's both uh, meaningful, good, and more importantly, allows us to collect all the data points and pull everybody in. I mean, just randomly putting stuff out there and, you know, kind of throwing it against the wall to see what sticks is great. But at the end of the day, you want to build a community. You want to bring people in. You want to get feedback. You want to kind of watch these things evolve. And the only, the only way we know how to effectively do it is by creating this kind of uh, paid backend, which is you know we, we think is pretty nominal compared to what you know a lot of our private or private clients are paying for this training, is uh I mean it's a smoking deal. I mean we've given away a ton of free programming and you know for a couple bucks you get uh, to get to see a lot of the backend notes and actually get involved in the community and get your questions answered and really dive into this thing
2: and start using the program as it was intended. Yeah, when. <clears throat> Just kind of piggy, piggyback on top of that, when um, John has us following these programs, we have something that even a lot of his clients and our clients don't have, which is real-time accessibility uh, to to understand what the application of the movement or the workout or the cluster or the superset or whatever it is, to understand how it should be applied relative to the rest of the training day, which seems... Um, you know seems kind of silly and you can make those assumptions is jump on it but what what we've learned and what other people are becoming as they become a little more intelligent is you become this what we we call a performance whore where you're looking for the most optimal stimulus to drive the most accelerated adaptation you know that's what google's done we don't want to wait 6 months if we can get it done in 3 well you could take two you know the program and apply it to two different people and it's about application and daily application guidelines, and that's what we're also including in this. Is uh, you know when I told John, I'm like, yeah, but I get to talk to you every day about this, and he's like, well, I'm going to add some narratives. I'm going to let people know exactly how I want them to do it, and that's what the real, the differentiating factor is between the programming you're going to find on Power Athlete HQ and the other stuff you find out there, including on CrossFit Football. You know, take we take the guesswork out of it. We know how to drive adaptation the quickest and most efficiently, and we're going to give you that insight. Through the daily programming, and even more so in the private forums. So that's that's the structure, and that's what it looks like uh, in terms of the programming and community aspect of it.
3: <clears throat>
2: but um, I mean, okay. what else, Danny? You've had a chance to poke around.
1: I, you know what? There's a lot. There's a lot out there. I mean, right away, I started thinking, like, man, you could almost the the amount of information that you're gonna get from this site you could almost have like a power athlete seminar, right? Yeah, theoretically. You I know, mean, and in that... theory, yeah, because it's if it's like building this huge database and it's it, like I said the organization's there once you see it, um, you should be able to get a lot of feedback. And yeah, it's gonna in be all the programs in in Big Monkey in Field Strong and like in a year from now. Where are you guys going to be? I mean, you're going to have all this data. It's like, what's the next step? How do you how do you apply that, or is it just going to be in like the um, the re- you know the athletic results? I guess. Well, you know, I mean, is we, that the we've
0: used these programs in uh you know in high schools. I mean, we've we've worked with uh you know countless amount of football players, hockey players, bobsledders. I mean, anybody that's used this program, and what we're really seeing too, especially in the CrossFit world, we see a lot of these. Uh, uh, competitions, you're seeing these guys kind of really morph from this idea of uh, you know forging kind of general elite fitness to guys that are just basically big power athletes with a shitload of capacity that are able to go out and suffer and win these things. And uh, you know that's really the market that we've really tapped into. And this is the market we know. This is who we are. And I think what we're really trying to do is go out there and almost drive a stake in the ground and kind of pull uh, a group of people in and say, hey, you know what, these are our people. And more importantly, this is the style of training we're doing. This is what we're spearheading. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know if there's some evil plot where in one year we will be doing this. I mean, it's kind of like I was telling Luke, I mean, periodically uh, to know where you're going, you have to look backwards and you have to look at your history. And I always am constantly... Trying to remind Luke and Callie, especially a, a little bit about where we came from, where all this thing started, how all this started. And we talked a little bit today about how Power Athletes started. And really, you know, we when I launched the CrossFit football stuff, the tagline, Forging Powerful Athletes, came out of a conversation with another uh, one of my friends. And we were talking a little bit about training and needed a tagline. And it was kind of a play off the Forging Elite Fitness forging Powerful athletes. And I remember having a conversation with uh, Greg Glassman about it. and he, you know, kind of talked about the difference between being elite and being powerful and like you know how these are kind of, uh, you know, not mutually exclusive, that they both kind of play in the same place. And as it the, really the out of that conversation and that meeting, really, that's where the power athlete program was forged and was really created and then from there on I realized that's what we were building that it wasn't just about powerful athletes it was actually a market of power athletes and from that day forward we kind of drove that stake in the ground, uh, went out, trademarked it, started Power Athlete and really have built this global brand and even though people were using that term to describe it we really kind of redefined it, redescribed it, put a face to it and now when people talk about you know hey of power athlete building power athletes i mean it really goes back to us and i think we've done a great job with that but um, i'm a huge believer in that if you if you don't know where you came from and you don't know your roots it's almost impossible to know where you're going and i think much like crossfit football the first day we launched and we had 17,000 hits in 150 plus countries and people did started doing this program and we started getting all these data points i think that's really been the saving grace and really the power of the program is the results And as people sitting here in Costa Mesa, Newport Beach in California, uh, how do we stay connected with people doing our program? as It's now we use social media. It's Facebook. It's our website. It's Twitter. uh, It's pictures. It's really this information flow that goes back and forth. And when Luke and I really started talking and almost, what was it, almost two years ago when we looked at creating this Power Athlete HQ, this Power Athlete Academy, and we actually worked with somebody to work on creating it, and we just couldn't get the vision right, and it's taken us two years of, of creating my vision, which was this idea of this kind of um, community back end, this kind of social media forum information where you could get real-time training, you could get real-time information, you could take us into the gym in your iPhone, and there's videos, there's training, there's everything. And it's not just a shell program that's actually the meat and the bones, the potatoes, the dessert, the, you know, everything with the the full meal that you can go in and really digest it. And at that point, we really get to see the true, I guess you could say, uh, effect of the program. We really get to see what this program does in comparison when you start taking people and you start taking them from one place into this realm of power athlete and people start identifying with it. I mean, every day I click on Twitter, there's somebody that's using our logo in terms of their icon. There's people that are, you know, hashtag power athlete. What are you training for? And, you know, I mean, well, these are our trademarks. Dude. This is how people identify us and we identify ourselves. So I think what it is is just an evolution. Uh, you know, we teach. It's a revolution, the- right? Revolution, evolution. Um, I think we, we teach the CrossFit football program. We go out and we teach that seminar for CrossFit and it's, you know, it's been great about getting people in, showing people that there's, you know, uh, there, you, know you can specialize without losing uh, your identity and kind of, uh, you know, that this idea of specialization isn't necessarily a bad thing. That, you know, there's very specific athletes that train for very specific things that are, are you know, some of the best people we just saw in the Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about people that have dedicated their life to one task to be a perfectionist at it. And um, you know I'm all for it. I love it. I I love the idea of people going out there and sinking their teeth in and being like, I'm going to be the best in the world at this one thing. And um, you know, we've done I think very well with the program. I mean, there's a lot of options out there, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to select. And it's just not merely selecting a program or saying, Hey, you know what? It's identifying with something. My goals are in line with these goals. And more importantly, which is what this thing is really about, is about creating more community. Um, really the power of all of this stuff, whether it be CrossFit football, power athlete, CrossFit, it doesn't matter what it is, is creating community and identifying. And I mean, that's why we post daily pictures of our people from all over the world, because these are people that are doing this training that are identifying themselves as power athletes. I, I do the CrossFit football program, but John, how do I get into it more? Do I contact you for private training? Yeah, there's tons of people that do it, and we have a large group of them, but how do we offer this to the masses, how do we make it a global revolution, how do we really push it out there and make it this global response and, um, uh, you know, I tasked Luke with it and uh, I think we've, we've really knocked it out the park, at least the first iteration today, now obviously this thing will evolve, I mean we joked that, you know, when iPhone 1 came out you couldn't attach a picture. And now we couldn't imagine using a cell phone without being able to touch a picture. So, or video or chat. Or video chat or all these uh, levels of connectivity. But think about if they launched that day one, people would have just, like, zapped themselves and probably just swallowed tongues. But really, <laughs> the beginning part becomes, you know what, like, let's start. Let's figure out how the information flow. And then over time, uh, you know, water finds its level. It'll definitely find its way down the hill, and this thing will evolve into exactly what we need it to be. If you take a look at the CrossFit Football site, we'd rolled with that site for almost four years um, because the information and the technology did not exist when I started the site in 2009 that allowed me to do what I wanted to do, and even in 2010, 2011, and even in 2012 when Luke came on board and we started really talking about CrossFit Football redesign, um, everything we wanted really wasn't available to us and then all of a sudden we were able to put some stuff together and there was some technology and this kind of reactive site the ability to really have an uh, a mobile friendly and really seeing this transition from a, somebody sitting at a computer moving to a mobile friendly device uh, you know that stuff is really 2014 and I think as it sits and I'm not tooting our own horn but I think the CrossFit football site is probably the best CrossFit site on the internet right now in terms of connectivity managing the experience, getting the information, being seamless between the mobile and, and the desktop. And I think it's pretty amazing, and, and I'm sure that after we get this thing rolling, we'll see more connectivity, and we'll be able to kind of morph the power athlete into more of that style. But we got to get the ball rolling. we got to get the water rolling down
2: here. Yeah. we got to start moving. And just in respect to that, all we're doing on CrossFit Football is posting a workout, and we have a, a seminar schedule. You know what I mean? And... Uh, the amount of effort it took our team to get that site put together was substantial. Now I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of hard work and not a lot of smart work, but uh, that I could not imagine putting or, or like a, sculpting a, a website to do everything that we're going to do within power athletes. So we're just we're taking a very general approach in terms of functionality to start. And then like John said, you know as water finds its level, we're going to find which tools we need, what we need to build out. but right now it's just building that proof of concept getting the masses on there, and then also, you know, allowing for that white space to, come to really focus. Yeah, come into focus based off of user feedback. And that's one thing I think, uh, you know, we're not trying to predict what everyone's going to want. We're trying to throw out everything we have and see, you know, well, what sticks.
0: We had so much uh, user feedback for Cross the Football because it had so many people doing the program that when we sat back and we really put a bucket list together of like, hey, these are our hot buttons, this is what we need, this is how it fits, Um, that it was very, very simple to set up and kind of whiteboard it and kind of brainstorm the direction the site needed to go. And I remember seeing the original designs and just seeing them on static pages was cool, but it really lacked luster and then all of a sudden when you saw the site built, you saw it loaded with content, and you started kind of, you know, shrinking and minimizing and looking at it on, you know, an iPhone, on a note, on a iPad, and you started kind of moving back before all these different medians, all of a sudden the magic of the site really can became apparent. And you know, there's always been constraints like if you notice the pictures are always this kind of like You know, six by three kind of deal, just because it allows us to kind of fit. So I mean, we had to kind of adjust our parameters, and it takes a little bit of time to kind of aesthetically get everything done. And there's other some you know some other things we would change that we didn't realize to get into it. But I think that the the football site looks fucking amazing. I mean, I'm super proud of it. I get constant feedback from people that's like, dude, this is hands down the best thing we've seen in the crossfit world. I mean, on in terms of a website, in terms of connectivity, and I think. With that step and moving towards the power athlete, really, it's it's how we identify ourselves. It's our brand. It's who we are. It's it's the program. It's it's everything, and uh, I'm super excited about it. I mean, this has been our my vision, and um, you know, Luke and Callie and Tex and everybody we have uh, involved is really helped bring this thing into focus. I mean, in a way, it was like we had this kind of macro, and now it's kind of coming into the micro. And uh, I'm super excited to see this thing up. I mean, I'm super excited just to participate and to be able to actually work with people. I mean, as it sits, that's why we started Talk to Me Johnny was just because I was flooded with so many questions that I didn't know a good medium to be able to put that information out. And so we started Talk to Me Johnny. And what I'm looking at now is an opportunity for Talk to Me Johnny to be real-time because as it sits, my ability to post information has really gone down the tubes um, and I, I need a way to be able to keep pumping it out. I mean, there was a, we, we, if you guys have been on the site in terms of the testing, I mean, we had a guy asking about some nutrition stuff, and it was easy to actually get into a dialogue. Hey, try this, try this, try this. Well, hey, you said this. Well, you know what? Everything's not set in stone. Try this, and hopefully we make some changes and we start seeing things in real time. And I think to effectively work with somebody, you have to have some form of daily content. You got to have something like just giving somebody a six-week program, saying, "Hey, come back to me in six weeks. Follow this diet for six weeks." You know, we're even though we joke that we're all the same decaying matter, uh, the same decaying matter that we're not unique snowflakes. In a way, everybody, whether it's environmental or you know, no matter what it is, has a certain set of stressors and a certain set of uh, you know external factors that are going to dictate, like if I'm able to sleep more and, and as you start kind of using performance as the looking glass, um, everything kind of becomes clear. And uh, when I look back in my own training and I look back in my own training notes and what I've done, you know, there were certain truths that I found that allowed me to, to reach a certain level that I'm trying to put out there. And the only way I know how to do it is either if you talk to me, Johnny, or the football site, And you now this is just really allowed me a vehicle to really able to work with more people, get more reach, give more information, really allow people to know exactly what we want done each day so that they can see the full uh, effects of the program. Yeah,
3: and although there's stuff that needs to be ironed out, I mean, um, don't, don't, don't get us wrong. I mean, right now, the interaction is priceless. It's amazing. You know, it's its own community. And, uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier, there might be a few little glitches that we have to handle but um, in terms of the connectivity and the ability to interact with fellow power athletes and interact with us on different levels of membership, it exists, and it's, it's amazing. It's just, a, it's, you know, it's the wave of the future. So, um, I mean, we're all pretty stoked about how, how it is even now. So it's only going to improve from here on out.
1: <clears throat> nice. Well, I know uh, I appreciate all the efforts that you guys have been doing and John I'm glad you put the CrossFit football program out there in 2009. <clears> nine I mean it, it changed my life when mm-hmm. uh you know bef- I think you were really the first one who added a strength template to to the CrossFit program I remember in like 2007 2008 maybe Jeff Martin had like his strength bias version but you know it was Everybody just seemed to be doing, like, the dot-com stuff, you know, GPP, and, when, well, you the, know, uh, I kind of dabbled in that, and, and it was cool, and, um, but that kind of general programming isn't exactly what, you know, I wanted to still deadlift heavy, and I needed to deadlift more than, like, once a month, you know. I needed well, they, more of a, some kind of structure, and you, you put that out there, and I think, I, you know, I know I was hooked right away, and obviously thousands of other people were as well. And like you said, I mean, to see what it, how you know now the term power athletes out there, people are like, you know, tattooing that on their skin. I mean that that says a lot for uh, a training philosophy, you know. And it it, says it, a lot it's, about it's that exciting <laughs> to see what the future's to bring. You know, I know I'm it's excited. <laughs>
0: Well, the, um, so when, yeah, I mean, uh, before CrossFit Football, I mean, really people hadn't, in terms of the general masses, really been using a structured strength template and using it with a, you know, smart conditioning program. People have been looking at kind of strength as just another element of fitness, and they've been working on it kind of randomly. And the one thing that we know, and we know from physiology and our own training, is that strength is anything but random that strength is an adaptation of stress and that, that stress has to be either linear or you know a nice blend of volume and hypertrophy that there's a very real way to build it uh, you know when you're talking about forging elite fitness and being ready for anything there's a, you know the constantly varied model works great especially in terms of hormoning uh, hormones and you know avoiding cortisol and constantly driving adaptation but in terms of strength, uh, strength is anything but. So when I went to the CrossFit Level 1 and I sat there and I listened to the programming section, um, you know, coming from my you know, collegiate strength conditioning program, playing in the NFL, having trained with people like you know, Rafael Ruiz and Mark uh, you know Angel Spazoff, and just you know, a lot of these different, uh, you know, Tom Shaw and you know, uh, Todd Rice. And, I mean, I can go name all these different people we've worked with. Um, there everything was about progression. It was about day one, you know, this isn't where we start that we're gonna go, you're gonna test, you're gonna retest, you're gonna train, it, and then you're gonna test some more and you're gonna figure out what's broken, and we're gonna fix it. And I just took that same kind of mode and I just translated it for the CrossFit community. Uh, funny part is they actually launched the strength biased article, journal article, one day actually the day before CrossFit Football launched. So I know Jeff had written the article uh, several months or years before. And they just launched it the day before CrossFit Football. So um, people have used his program, and I still run into people that, you know, that was their first real experience with strength training was doing a strength <clears throat> bias program. And, you know, they always ask where CrossFit Football uh, differs. And I'm like, well, we're not strength-biased. We are a strength-conditioning program. We're working on creating strong, stable athletes that are able to move in space and, you know, at the seminar, we talk at great length about how do you define an athlete? You know, what, character, what characteristics can you name that would classify somebody as an athlete in your book? Um, you know, you can turn on and we can use our natural coach's eye. And I always joke that, you know, there's an app called Coach's Eye, but everybody has a coach's eye. We can see somebody do something and know that they're athletic, And if you notice, it's always somebody moving in space, and it's actually, we've gone through and went back and defined it, that it's the seamless transition of moving between different planes of motion effortlessly and easily that allows us to believe that somebody is athletic, and we believe that actually by training those different planes of motion, those different movement patterns, and being able to master them and then seamlessly tie them together is really our definition and what we believe is athletic. And you know, you start watching some of the best athletes in the world, and they just have the combine on, which is a great show of athleticism. You know, the ability to separate the upper body from the lower body and to be able to move the body independent, you know, move limbs and body in in space is really the, the hallmark for this stuff. So we needed to create a training program that wasn't based on forging elite fitness. We were looking at creating a training program that was about how to make somebody stronger, more explosive, and actually increase athleticism. So it was just kind of we saw kind of a different, you know, it's like two people looking at the same problem and seeing kind of two different solutions. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, how we both got there, it doesn't really matter, but everybody's kind of working for this deal. And when I went to the Cross at Level 1, I, I saw a... Uh, you know, a group of very, very hungry people and people to this day still ask me, why do you work with the crossing community? And I have just had somebody ask me that question the other day at a seminar, and my first question is, show me a group of people that are willing to work. And, you know, who are willing to go out there and kill themselves and bust their ass and train. Um, You know, we go to the seminars, and the one thing I never have to coach is effort. I never have to say, you know, get in somebody's ass and say, I need you to go harder, I need you to go harder. If anything, people go too hard and they don't take enough attention to detail because they're just, they come from this mentality, they come from this place that's like hard work is expected. When we talk about intensity, we're not talking about hard work because you know what, hard work's is given. we're talking about percentage of one around. we're talking about, you know, your ability to, you know, move an external force against a certain, you know, your force against theirs. And, um... It's just a, a very, very unique, great group of people. And even in 2009, when this thing was relatively unknown, I sat at to seminar and I looked around and I thought, man, these are a bunch of people that I have no problem training with. This is a bunch of people that I have no problem working with. And then when they approached me about starting the CrossFit of football, my first thing was like, "Fuck yeah, why wouldn't I? I mean, like this is, uh, these people are ready to chew through glass, kick down walls to get better. I can work in this community. If I got to go out and motivate you and, and talk you into something, I'm not the right person for you. So, but if you have the uh, effort and the motivation and have put the the work in, I can make you better. I have hands down, no doubt in my mind that I can make you a better mover. I can make you a better squatter. I can make you a better lifter. I can give you more information to train more efficiently. I can talk to you about sleep and recovery, and I can maximize who you are. Hands down, I think that uh, we offer some of the best stuff in the industry, and I believe that we're one of the best. And um, I wouldn't be saying that if I didn't believe it. And uh, you know, this is just another avenue to be able to provide this information and really work with the people we want to work with. And I'm not a talker. Sorry about that. If I'm a little long. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's awesome. You know, you mentioned Rafael Ruiz and um, Tex. You're down there doing an internship. Uh, what's let's just switch gears. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how your life's going down there in Tampa.
4: Uh, good. It's going great. I'm missing all the snowstorms in D.C., so I'm extremely fortunate. And uh, just finished up my first month, and it was cool because I got to go to the CERT with John. So I got to recap some of the stuff I'm learning and uh, see his views upon it, talk about his training way back in the day. Uh, so it's, it's been uh, it's been a great ride so far. So i got two more months
1: left here, and uh, just every day is an experience. I can see just, you know, the stuff on Facebook, like you're doing morning rucks, and it looks like every weekend they got, like, a, what does he call it, the surf and turf, like a swim yeah. program. Yeah, so, but, uh, uh, Raph, is, sorry. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, what, what's it like participating in those events? Uh, so, he's, he's taken on a couple
4: of selection guys. So he's training them and um, in his normal classes that we got going on, but then a lot more extra. So during our off days on Tuesday, Thursday morning, we were participating in rucks. Uh, So we go to University of Tampa's parking garage, uh, just load up 60-pound packs, and then we we go up and down. We run stairs and do uh, kind of some interesting ruck training with those guys. And uh, it's kind of cool learning the military perspective because they just think more, more, more. And Rap's taking these two guys, and he's trying to educate them that it's about not necessarily as much as you can do, but it's how efficiently and how fast you can do something. So he had these guys just running five miles over and over and over again, and he's kind of changed their perspective to do that five-mile ruck as fast as they possibly can. So each week we're going up in intensity, and, I mean, I, I'm having a good time, but it's,
2: it's a challenge. So, before Tex even went out there, he used to tell me he doesn't believe in GPP or even GSP. He's just an SPP guy. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He's like, all I need to do is play some lacrosse. Now I'm a happy man. So, it, his version of Metconning was like uh, some sit ups, uh, <laughs> some torture twists, and then stretching and lifting.
1: Luke, did you go down there and do like an internship too? No, I didn't.
2: Uh, we went down for a long weekend when I first came on. Ben and I, and he took us on the surf and turf. And I, you know, I think he sent us home because he thought I was going to die. He like swam next to me the whole time. He had, uh, but my plan is to head out there for a week with Tex and just, uh, you know, fast track a lot of the stuff that Texas experienced. Um, and uh, you know, I've been in touch with Rob back and forth as we went through. Or as I became more familiar with the seminar and the seminar content and had questions and uh, you know, he pointed me in the directions to, to find the information I needed, but I'm not not ninety days of exposure like uh, like Tex is getting.
1: I know, that sounds cool, man. What do you like what are you hoping to get out of this, Tex? I mean, is there something specific or is it just you're gonna take it all in and then, you know, kinda of ponder over it for time and figure out how you're gonna implement it?
2: Well, Tex just actually told me over text he was hoping that he could get Raphael's little red swimsuit out of it. He wants to take that home as a <laughs> – <laughs> do you see that thing, Raf's <laughs> picture? He's wearing like a baby. Yeah. you Yeah. Are
3: you going to hang it from your rear view Roth's mirror? Raf's in
0: pretty good shape. I mean, if anybody I know that can just rock a speedo, like Brazil style, is Rafael Ruiz.
2: Isn't he like 96
0: years old? Yeah, he's, he's scary. He's, I, I remember thinking <laughs> Like, Roth's in his mid-50s, and he looks... I think he's a vampire. looks like Yeah,
3: he looks like a
0: teenager. 13 dogs, 15... No oh, longer than that. Like, yeah, 13... 15, Jesus, like 15 years ago. Um, no, what could what we, 2000? Yeah, fuck, I'm old.
2: Um, <laughs> How come you've aged, but he hasn't?
0: Yeah, I've fucking aged... Well, oh, i got twins. He's oh, only got true. one kid, so I've aged twice as fast as him. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Roth's a vampire. He doesn't age. He looks good. But
2: uh He's seventy-five years old. So, sorry, Tex. Besides just speedo, what else do you want to bring back from? Uh,
4: so I'd say it's more general, specific knowledge. So, uh, I was in college strength and conditioning for two years, and I, I can honestly say I've learned more in a month than I did in those two years. Uh, based off uh, just coaches' egos, their lack of knowledge, experience, and just general unprofessionalism, and uh, so. I have a great base of knowledge kind of with the CrossFit football, uh, what we're teaching and all that. So all my questions that I've been asking have been kind of diving into the nuts and bolts of that. And it's all just neurological responses to each lift and kind of preparing and writing programs daily, weekly, monthly, and how each piece you put in, it has to have a purpose. Uh, You only have so much time and energy and so on and so forth. I mean, we know that, but it's, uh, this has to prime that, and so on and so forth. And you pattern and build and just kind of put your athletes in the best position for them to succeed at their sport. Um, the primals. So he, uh, I know John's as big as the squats, the biggest primal. And one thing I've noticed is Raf is in love with the lunge. So that's he, does, he, does uh, he does love him a lunge. He does love him a lunge. Yeah.
0: And he loves him a step. Whereas I think, uh, you know, for me, and, and if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, for what we did, everything really started in that athletic position. So therefore, you know, the squat was kind of king for me. Whereas uh, Roth is big on, you know, lunging and, like, you know, we look at, obviously, as those uh, those other two primals is uh, really, you know, as important. But really everything goes back to the squat. Whereas, you know, I think Roth is definitely uh, uses that lunge as really his, his, primal, yeah, his primary mover. So just, you know, but you, you take two people, you know, especially having trained with them. I mean, there was, you know, like everybody's going to evolve at their own pace. I mean, Tex, you'll come out of this thing having, you know, not only been in this power athlete stuff, but this at football, a lot of our own conversations and education, and you'll come out of it with um, your own set of uh, information, and you're going to see what you like and what you don't like. And I think what's so important about going and training with different people is seeing you know, what they really focus on that I'm sure that even in the short time you've been there with Roth, there's things that are very similar and things that are different in terms of philosophy. Uh And you know, at the end of the day though, Roth has been a working strength conditioning coach for longer than I care to remember. I mean he trains groups of people, works with all different types from, you know, the uh, the professional that walks through the door who's, you know, just wants to look good naked to kids in selection. And he's able to put them all in the same training program, and he's effectively built a training program that allows them to maximize and express what they want in different ways. And uh, I always go back to our good friend Bill Stoltzing, who uh, you know passed away a number of years ago. But Bill was, uh, you know, in his mid 40s. And text asked him about Bill, but um, Bill was our, our, uh, you know, our. Our shark in a lot of ways, and that guys would come in, NFL players would come in and train with us. And Bill was always in our training group. Little did they know that tr- Bill had trained with Rafael for a number of years and was extremely good at everything. Was a, uh, you know, I think he played uh, college or football at the University of Tampa. Was a, uh, you know, professional, very successful businessman, and um, you know, just was just a good old boy. So we'd bring in all these NFL players, and uh, all of a sudden, Bill's in our training group, and they're looking at this kind of forty-year-old professional guy and thinking, oh, who's this guy? And all of a sudden, Bill is just sharking these dudes left and right and just beating them down, talking shit to them. And he was like the ultimate dark horse for us. And uh, Roth used him like that, and Bill loved it and was a, was a great human being, and the world lost a great man when he passed away. So, uh, But, you know, that's just an example. And I, I tell you, if uh, I lived anywhere close to Tampa, uh, I would train with Raphael daily. I mean, I would love to show up and just unplug and. You know, make him, uh, you know, uh, lead the ship just because it gets, you know, I, I think if you program and you write all your own programming and you, you're really training yourself, I think you got to coach for an idiot, just like a lawyer that gets up and writes all this, uh, or you know, somebody says, if you represent yourself in court, you're an idiot. you got to defer to people and Luke's going through this right now, I mean when you write your own programming, you tend to just inherently favor what you're good at and it really takes somebody to take a step back and write an analysis and say, hey, this is where you're lacking this is what I think you know, I know this, you know this, let's write something, let's put something together and then let's test it, black box it and see how you're going. And You know, raf has been incredible at that and you know I know he uses different things for different people and has a massive knowledge. I mean just talking with him about who he's worked with and who his contemporaries are has been pretty exciting over the years.
4: Yeah, I think a big thing, uh, difference between John and Raph's approach is Raf's all about the limiting factors. Just decreasing margin of error and so on and so forth and then uh, just talking with John, it's it's big about being who you are and then fixing those limiting factors.
0: Well, I mean, my, my idea always became that um, I always got a little nervous where people, you know, I remember when I first came in the CrossFit deal, people were like, well, just pick everything you're bad at and only do that. And uh, that really kind of, like, made me a little nervous because um, – when I was playing football in my training, there were certain things that defined me as an athlete, that there were certain things that were my wheelhouse, there were certain things that if you stripped away from me everything that I had, this is who I would be and, you know, like for me it was that ability to punch and slide, move my feet, bend my knees, and you could take certain things from me, but at the end of the day, that was my wheelhouse. And a big part of this training is helping you identify what your wheelhouse is, helping you stay in that wheelhouse and develop things in conjunction to that, instead of just walking away and, uh, you know, Ross Steele is, uh, you know, is great. I remember, um, you know, him coming in and testing me and seeing what I was good at and then putting a lot of other things in the program, but we never abandoned who I was or what I was good at. It was never, and I don't, I don't know if his training philosophy is different or if he's using a different approach uh, for you guys, but I know when he trains his professional athletes that if those guys are fast, He's mm-hmm. gonna make him faster. Yeah, because why wouldn't you were... wanna
3: like capitalize
0: yeah. on that? Well yeah, and it's I mean, but what's what's great with Roth's training and why he's able to do a certain amount of this stuff is cause he sees it in real time. You show up every morning, and the one thing I always remember, which is so great about Roth, was showing up some days, and there were certain days that it was like boots to the ass. He was fucking on you. And it was like fuck, this guy's on you. And other days he'd come in and he was really—he was able to realize that, you know what, some days we might need to cut the volume uh, that, you know what, like wars aren't won on that individual day. It's the, the, the volume of work we've done. And I remember like that idea of like you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. And we use that at a seminar all the time really came from my own training with Roth because I obviously played uh, with my job with a bunch of coaches that were boots to the ass every single day. You're not feeling good, fuck you. Um, and, you know, having worked with Roth and even in the Collegiate Strength conditioning program, every day was fucking like an axe to the grindstone. And really having to go and work with Roth was really my first experience with a coach who was able to realize that every day is, you know, this, this guy's going to work hard every day regardless. But certain days... Uh, you know, you might not be ready, you might not neurologically, you might have been fried, you might need a little bit more recovery, and his ability to kind of see that in real time and evaluate you fairly quickly um, was really the magic of the programming and really where I think I made my best gains. I mean, what's what's interesting is as strength coaches, we become so obsessed with coaching effort, and uh, the CrossFit community is so guilty of this, like, For the most part, and obviously in a commercial gym, this is, uh, or a a commercial CrossFit gym, this is going to happen. And, you know, you can ask any of these guys, myself and everybody on this podcast who trains people in a CrossFit gym, there are certain people that are going to come in that are going to die for those seconds, that are going to die for each rep. And there's people that are going to come in that you literally, no matter how much you motherfuck them, aren't going to go to the level that you need them to go to to effectively make this program successful. And I think why me especially why I got so kind of wrapped around uh, working with kind of our more professional athletes and more with people along that nature is because I wanted to work with people that I did not have to coach effort. I wanted people that were willing to like suck the marijuana life and, and do the training to the full extreme that I was actually going to have to pull back a little bit and say you know what this is what we're going to do today you know I need you to do this better, I need you to do this, I need you to do this instead of me being a fucking cheerleader and uh, you know working in a commercial in a a CrossFit gym, you're going to get people of all walks, and you're going to get people that are going to literally shear their palms off, and his blood is on the bar, still going to be doing the pull-ups because they need to finish. And you're going to have other people that are going to come in, and they're going to be like, "Uh, back's a little tight. I don't think I should do this today. And it's like, how do you deviate between those people? How do you find it? And there's certain people that are great with working with those people. Me? I'm Not one of them. And I think I realized that fairly early, but... um, you know, the thing which is great with Roth is uh, he is really what I call a coach in that he inspires people to work out. People come in, and you can ask uh, Texas, when you come in and you train with him, oh, he's so handsome. He looks so good. Oh, so I just good. pulled
3: up a picture of him uh, in his Speedo online.
0: Well, Texas. I actually have a pair of Brazilian boy shorts that I got in Brazil that are that look like those, but they're actually yellow.
3: Brazilian boy shorts.
0: Brazilian boy shorts. It's what, it's what we rocked in Brazil when we were there for Carnival.
3: Smaller is better. Yeah,
0: um, but a guy like Roth, people come in, they train with him, and he becomes this person that you want to impress, that you don't want to let down, that you want to work for his approval, and I really, when people, t- you know, ask me, and they're like, oh, you know, or they say, you know, coach, I always think back to Roth, and uh, you know, I'm a, you know, like really people want to come in and bust their ass. They want to please this guy. They want his approval, and I think that's where this thing really gets separated. <clears throat>
2: Anything else on te- on uh, on your experience over there, text?
4: Yeah, uh, a, one of the lines he's mentioned many times is the goal is get to get the athlete to see. Uh, so each one of these times, it was stretching. Put them in a position for them to realize how important stretching is, uh, how important uh, the attention to detail and the movement. Uh, one, He pulled me aside one day. I was counting reps and keeping time for just a group of guys. He said, stop. They need to learn to do that themselves and be just aware of where they are. So he literally told me to stop coaching so those guys could focus and just get their mind right. So there's lots of little kind of professional lessons that he's going through daily with different groups and uh, it's just a great experience so far so two more months we'll see what happens yeah I think it'll come out
0: the best and then uh, what's our next adventure we're gonna go out to West Side and go we'll go hang out with Louie and uh, we'll go out there and have some fun uh, I also want to go out and see John Meadows and those guys so I think it would be it'd be great I, I think coming from a background, that Tex is coming from as a strength and coach, and having gone and worked at UT, and now seeing Roth I think uh, you know I think you're going to have a great resume. And and you know selfishly, I think it's awesome for me as you get to go out and teach that seminar. And uh, what's nice too is I got to work with Tex and Carl Case this weekend, and really seeing the evolution and knowing what you can and can't do, and really staying in that wheelhouse and saying, hey, this is who I am as a coach, and really building that ethos because it becomes so important when you stand up in front of 40 people. Uh, How quickly do you connect to that person? Why are you standing up here? Why should I be listening to you? And more importantly, what are you going to teach me? And I think we do a great job at that at the seminar when you stand up, you know, hopefully within the initial talk. Everybody's bought in. And I always ask, I look around, I'm like, everybody ready? Anybody ready to leave? Everybody's bought in. Let's go. Let's get some work done. We got another, you know, 15, 16 hours to go out and hammer this thing home. So, um, you know, all this does is go back and adds to is you know, creating this ethos and really who he is as a coach and who you've defined, I mean, that's really how this thing goes back. I and mean, you start looking at football players, you know, where'd you play? Who have you gone against? Who have you worked with? What do you do? What successes have you had? I think the same goes in the coaching field. And the problem is, is that now in today's market, all you need is a, uh, a website, a cool name, and, uh, you know, some pictures on the internet, and then everybody's instantly a coach. I mean, I think for me, Going back when I was looking for somebody to train with when I first moved down to Tampa, and I remember finding Roth, Uh, You know, that's what a coach was, and now it's such a just a um, random or more importantly, just generally used thing to anybody. Start a website, yeah, just start a website, and now I'm an expert. I mean, I saw somebody post on Facebook that uh, you know five years ago, you know, there were people that were experts, and now there's you know instantly. You know, here we are now with the seven to ten thousand CrossFit affiliates, and that there's seven to ten thousand people leading gyms that are experts in this information, and it takes a lifetime to learn this stuff. I still don't count myself as an expert. and I still count myself as a, you know, somebody who's constantly in a state of learning. And I think where you get in trouble is when you lose the learning bug and that you stop going out there, you stop venturing. And uh, I remember Tech said to me, "He goes, man, one of the things that was so different about you is that you have the opportunity." to use your training at a high level and then have free time to go out and train with who you want to train with. And not just the internet, not just this, this, and this, but actually physically go there and learn what you need to learn. And I was like, well shit man, it's, it's, my life depended on it. My survival depended on it. And if there was somebody that did something better and I needed it, I would go there and I would train with them. And I would learn what I needed to learn, I would take what I needed back and I would use it and I would make a decision on whether or not it helped me and didn't. And um, you know, I really credit a lot, a lot of that with Roth and still think to this day he's probably <laughs> one of the best people I've ever worked with.
2: The Ruiz, Roth oh,
0: man. one of these, one of these days, we'll convince him to
1: move to Newport Beach. Do you Master Splinter, Airway? right? Master Splinter. People refer to him as Master Splinter still.
3: Oh man, he's 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 an intimidating individual. He is a coach in in every sense of the word. Sure.
1: He can overhead squat like three times his body weight, right? Uh, yeah, I remember one day we were training, and um, he
0: front squatted three fifteen at a body weight of about one sixty five for a triple on a set of Nike shocks.
2: Yeah, in front. No, Shucks. they were the zigzags. Major
0: Wavos.
3: The Reebok zigzags. No,
0: no, no. This is back in the okay. day, and uh, um, I also we were down in Australia, and we showed up, and we went over to Daz's gym, and we started training, and uh, so Rob strips down to his underwear and just training in like a set of small little you know boy shorts, and uh, he puts like. Uh, 330 in the bar, 150 kilos, and he was uh, doing kind of pause squats. But as he was coming out of the bottom, he was generating enough uh, speed and force to actually come out of the squat and land in a lunge <laughs> position. Stop it. So the guy was doing pause squats with double body weight, and as he was coming up, he was generating enough hip extension to actually split his feet to catch in a lunge.
3: What an asshole. At which
0: point he would put his feet back to square, he would go back down, as he would cut up, he would split lunge into the other and set it up. I've and never even
3: seen that done. These
0: Australian guys are like watching this dude basically move double body weight like he's, you know. I mean, They're 1RM. Yeah, like most people, like we count people that have a double body weight back squat is fairly strong. And this dude is dynamic enough to basically be able to uh, go from a, you <laughs> a
2: know, bilateral
0: lunge. to a unilateral, you know, lunging position dynamically with you know driving the weight off his back and catch you know no belt, no shoes on in a set of shorts. And um, needless to say, those dudes were like,
2: "Fuck, this guy's real strong." I'm like, "Oh, you think?"
3: That's a squat.
2: You'll have to uh, you have to get in his ear and see if we can schedule something, get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah you do that uh, that would be cool. So a you busy guys man. Kind of, uh, Luke, do we have any comments from our live audience? Uh, yeah, we got one question
2: about Balboa programming. Uh, and then I guess we can answer that relatively uh, pretty quick here, and then we'll talk a little bit about the, our Balboa Jack the team series or team event that we just hit. Right.
1: Let's do it, and then we got the, the submission,
3: Long day. The, Okay,
1: the podcast submission.
3: Which, all right, so which
1: goes with our conversation because it's unilateral and bilateral training. All right,
2: sounds good. Uh, so Nick K asks, not Nick Cage, uh, star of Conair, but Nick i uh, I'm coaching a military affiliate now, and I'm curious what the template behind CrossFit Valboa is. Is it just CrossFit football with more GPP? I feel like this would be the best programming for the general public, but would like more info. Um so in the past two months or so, Callie and I have been more on the power athlete side of things, and Ben has taken over Balboa programming. But prior to that, I mean, if you go back and look at some of the historical workouts, we, we really cycle it a couple different ways. Um, what you see on, I mean, which I hope is the standard for most affiliates, but what you see on the website isn't necessarily what all everyone always does because there's certain people who may just come out of a, uh, their foundations and need to just linear progress and do fives. They're not ready for a 3RM or a 1RM with drop sets. But uh, for the most part, I guess you could say it's CrossFit football template because we wanted to, basically, we're squatting, uh, squatting 30 reps a week for the most part.
0: Uh, well, it's based on CrossFit football power athlete
2: parameters. Yeah, the parameters loosely in the sense that these are the parameters. You know, you're going to squat probably 30 reps a week. Um, you're going to press at least 15 and That's going to be vertical, horizontal press, and you're going to do some dynamic pulling and deadlifting. So, but it's a
3: well, yeah. But the Wednesday is always a little different.
2: Yeah, and that uh, and that's kind of the generic template, and the the application and implementation now uh, is the season is CrossFit Open, and we're an affiliate, and people want to do it, and uh, you know it's, we've gotten a little more interested in team competitions, so we're starting to. Um, I guess attack the a higher time domain and just hit some more skill works uh, or more skill work that's associated with that. Because when you're talking about uh, you know having a general population that just needs to be relatively fit and really just wants to look good, and at the same time you're trying to provide an experience and a good time, um, programming is important. And what you need to be, what you need to, to accomplish, and what we really focused on is allowing people to show up every day, seven days a week, and train while selfishly imposing the demands uh, and getting them the adaptation that we want out of our athletes which is you know uh, to be bigger stronger movers it was always cool when our people would go drop in at other gyms uh, and the uh, one of our one of our guys <laughs> was in norcal and dropped in and they they were doing uh, like a 3rm rack jerk for their portion phase a of the wad and, uh, you know, he was hitting like 150 kilos on his three-arm rack jerk. Nate dropped in, and nobody there could rack jerk 100 kilos. So it's cool to send our people out and have them just smash workouts because the weights are so light. And uh, that's one of the adaptations that we get. Now, in terms of would Balboa be the most optimal programming for uh, military affiliate, um, I'm not sure. I
3: mean, honestly, uh, it's like John said. We fall within that power athlete parameter, but like Luke said, we are we are cycling this this program to cater to this season. Yeah. So if you look at or it, competitions as a, yeah, we have in house. Yeah. Exactly. So if you look at a snapshot of uh, the Balboa programming, you'll see it deviate from um, a more cross football esque style programming when we're building up strength. Uh, you know, maybe. Um, ten to eight weeks out and then four weeks out you can see it get a little bit more skill, longer Metcon and um, I mean that's the way we cycle it and I think that uh, hopefully we're not alone in a, in a lot of boxes in that in that way but um, I mean we are we're still trying to squat twice a week we, we're you know staying again like in those parameters within the power athlete parameters but uh, this guy I mean I think if he had if we had to say yes it is CrossFit football ask yes but uh, if his athletes are not training for the Open, then there's a lot of things that they don't need to follow that Balboa is doing, for instance.
2: And in, in terms of application, I mean, you see the programming, but when we're on the floor and we're coaching uh, and people are oh – man, we are
3: extremely hands-on.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're changing foot position. We're changing grip width. We're changing the way we, will, we get in your face. Like, none of our – we don't have one client at our gym that – I, we, doesn't know to just stop when they're being coached.
3: Yeah, we don't. We yeah, we don't just you know it's it's time to squat and we do, we don't just set you free. I mean, mm-hmm. we're essentially in your space, especially people who are new. And uh, we have no, I have no qualms about uh, you know if an athlete is stronger or if they're uh, weaker, of making these changing the guidelines and, mm-hmm. and getting. Um, getting them essentially to get the adaptation we're we're trying to elicit. Yeah, um,
2: which athlete's going to have to go slower because they're going to be doing negatives on their pull-ups, whereas another athlete's going to be sprinting through a workout. So I mean, there's two totally. different two different stimulus uh, stimuli. Yeah. To the same to a workout that may be running and uh, vertical pulling and uh, push-ups, because one athlete just has a, a weaker upper body, it's going to be slow. So uh, whereas another athlete, like we just did, um, Helen. Mm-hmm. We did a, you know, and it, it was just a different stimulus for three different people in the, in the 7.30 p.m. class. But, uh, I, you know, we make those adjustments for our athletes on the fly, you know.
3: If so, I had to give a black and white answer, I'd say yes, the Balboa for, is fine for GPP. It's great.
2: Yeah, and it's it's well thought out. The volume is monitored, and the objective is to allow people to train every day yeah. and uh, and benefit from a strength gain and a metabolic gain it at the same time so hammer that one to death Uh, did I
3: just make a crocodile Dundee reference yes I did
2: which then is it that's not a knife this is is a
3: knife this is Joe Heaton no I said that's not a squat (laughs) that's a squat
2: (laughs) Uh, wow uh,
0: there you go what else? So uh, we got a. If you guys couldn't tell, we actually finally got our Christmas present to Power Athlete. We actually got a coffee maker, and I've had several of them today. So I don't know <laughs> about these guys, but the secret to Power Athlete is staying heavily caffeinated.
2: Yeah, John's got two keyboards, and he's been typing the whole time uh, while he's been on this video <laughs> <radio> show.
3: <laughs> I just uh, I just have one of those helmets that holds two beers, and I really just put two cups of assault there. I put the I tubes on
0: my a mouth. Coffee and a kill club. Coffee and close to your uh, ex boyfriend. Yeah, who's that
3: uh, guy <laughs> uh, again? Baker. No. Oh,
2: her ex boyfriend, Baker Levin. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, thought there
3: man. was something. It's on again, on again. It is the
1: deepest. <laughs> uh, what else, Denny? Balboa jacked. Team results. How'd you guys oh, do? Oh, yeah. It?
3: I mean, I feel like my biceps are bigger than they've ever been.
1: I think I tore both of my
2: biceps. <laughs> Seriously. my My shoulders are so sore. Is the worst thing in the world, but But also,
3: yeah. But also, you're you're sort of a pussy when it comes to anything.
2: Yeah. Well, any discomfort, really. I know. Uh,
3: Yeah, it went well. We, uh, I think the final results were we were 20th out of 70, which I don't hate because again, uh, we crushed the first uh, the first workout Um, in terms of strength. We just dominated everybody. Uh, Was that? uh,
1: what was that, like a back squat snatch? One
3: RM back, one R-M back squat, two RM power snatch, uh, three RM power clean. And we're like, Are, is this real? Is this... Finally. I know. Finally,
0: they gamed it for us.
3: I know. When I saw the workouts, I was stoked. So we did, we did pretty well. And um, I think ultimately, like, as just sort of like a, a general theme, we did exactly what we were hoping to do. We executed, like, flawlessly mm-hmm. everyone... Did uh, the job that they were supposed to do, so you and know. just
2: like a little bit more, you know, what and I like think? a little bit
3: more, so that's good. That's good. But
2: uh, I, I don't know. I still, I'm upset with my personal performance, even though it no, was. No, I'm also above. upset with your performance. Is Peg like on that first workout? Uh, I I bit. went in wanting the squat. What? I, what? was the four four forty?
3: Is was your final?
2: Yeah, and that's what we were thinking. Like that'd be pretty. You went good. for
3: 415, then you went to 440.
2: Yeah, and then that went too easy, and I'm like, man, I should have not done 440. I should have done 475.
3: Well, you, of course you can say that after the fact, but yeah,
2: but we got the points, and it like it's worked fine. out. It's fine. And then 315, I missed that clean.
3: You missed his snatches, uh, which is uh, I had to get in your. I had to get in your oh, face. Oh, you and...
1: you each had to establish
3: mm-hmm. a yeah, number of so those we, lifts.
2: So everybody had five minutes to get a one RM squat,
3: then five minutes to get a two RM power smash. I know. What the fuck is that, man? It's it awesome. wasn't.
2: But to be honest with you, it was. If you were adequately warmed up, which I don't know if other people were because the warm up area is crowded. We but brought our
3: own weights we and racks. We brought our
2: own racks and weights to make. Guess sure. who's
3: fucking brainchild that was? That was so
2: my that idea. idea. need to do that.
3: That was my idea. Yeah,
2: especially after Occupy. Remember? Uh, I mean. Even at our Occupy events, we had so much fucking weight and right. we still ran out of weight. So I'm like, well, they're gonna run out of weight. No one no one knows how much weight to get. You need you need ten tons to be adequately <laughs> outfitted for this you at just I mean? our station. So uh so I started warming up like an hour and a half before because that's how long it takes me to squat on our end.
3: And, and I was uh, like, look at this diva. Unless fucking... you're on the
2: Bulgarian
0: program, and then it's six minutes. Well, that
2: was different. That yeah.
0: was like singles. That was, you like, just start with singles. It was so warm from yesterday that we just <laughs> basically just warmed up. I was Never I think it was well. like, what, 225,
2: 405, 600. Yep. But, yeah, uh, yeah, but
3: it went well. It was good. Uh, yeah, yeah. What can I what can we say? We, just, uh, we yeah. stomped everybody in terms of strength.
2: And uh, I think selfishly in terms of quality of movement. Like uh, one of our girls was getting no repped on a floater wad because she wasn't reaching her chin.
3: Yeah, because she wasn't lifting her chin. I mean, her chin was clearly above the bar, but she was like doing chest to bar essentially. But um, but she wasn't lifting her head, so the judge is like, "I've never even seen anything like this before. I don't know how to count it." <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I'm so glad I'm going. I don't
2: guy that. You guys didn't invite me. Oh, I was working. you would have you lost your mind. Oh man, but and it was that, fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. At least in our heat, if you want to talk about small victories, we were we smashed
1: everyone in our heat on everything. What about the name placement? Who took who took home the trophy? Greatest name?
2: No one.
3: We did. No
1: one. <laughs> we have to go
2: collect it because we had to leave early. There was an after party we had to tend to. <laughs> Understandable. But uh, no, we took home first place thanks to everyone who helped out with that. Yes, thanks. Balboa Jack Power Athlete Nation just coming through,
1: but it was uh, it was it was fun. It was a good All time. Right. All right. Well, that leaves us with. Uh, it's a pretty lengthy submission. We can get into it now. We can save it for the next show. Yeah, do it. Go for it. Oh. It's not gonna.
0: What is it? Read it.
3: It's long. It's a two-parter. All right. The a, hold, on, two-parter. hold on.
0: Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It's gonna require some reading. Here, I'll read it. I attended the CrossFit Football Certification in August of 13 avid listener of the podcast. I was already using aspects of the CrossFit football before the <laughs> seminar and the experience cemented the spirit of the Power Athlete Method. Everything just mm-hmm. made sense. After reevaluing my own priorities in 14, I have jumped on the collision Template and have noticed significant changes. My question, however, related to implementing Power Athlete Template. I train a cadre of odd athletes, including regional level crossfitters and professional Ultimate Frisbee players. Yes, this is not a joke, and while the last couple of podcasts have some interesting insights on training the competitive exerciser, I have a couple of questions related to field performance. First, is there an optimal ratio of bilateral to unilateral training, especially when related to the lower body? While I have read a variety of theories mentioned in the viewpoint of the podcast queue, Mike Blue Boyle's influence resonates through strength conditioning in relation to the ultimate and predominant focuses on unilateral movements. As a result, I am increasing seen as a black sheet for championing bilateral movements. Um, Despite publicly arguing for bilateral training, I obviously include unilateral work in my own programming, mostly power athletes, step-ups, walking lunges, and straight leg, single leg, or single uh, RELs, basically. I currently employ a four bilateral, one unilateral ratio in the intermediate off season and taper towards one point five to ones ratio during the season as a way of moderately uh, total tonnage volume. I also find myself employing unilateral exercise and warm ups as corrective tools while working with a untrained individual. I haven't found this program effective, however, I have a tendency to second-guess myself and I'm curious as to the general approach of power athlete when discussing bilateral versus unilateral loading. I'm also wondering if there are any worthwhile articles discussing the topic. Um, Here's my take on unilateral versus bilateral movements. In terms of driving adaptation for muscle and strength, which one do you think would be most beneficial? It's usually a bilateral movement because you can handle more weight. I remember training an athlete's performance, uh, Vaso Kronos, who was one of the strength coaches, had a very nice uh, 100-kilo single-leg squat, but yet could not squat 400 pounds. So I remember seeing him single-leg squat 225, but not being able to squat 400 was kind of odd to me, and I remember being like, great, I'm really stoked you can single-leg squat 225, but you don't have a 400-pound back squat. Now, you would expect that if somebody had a unilateral single leg squat at 225, they should be able to squat what? Say 450. At least. But at least, you would think. But it didn't translate, so what we found is that obviously working through our three basic primal movements of the uh, the step, the lunge, and the squat, that while an athlete is going to be on one leg, uh, a lot of times the single most effective way to build strength is we know that we can linearly progress and actually drive adaptation through the squat, that I think that they all work inner, uh, inner, or they all work within a relation to each other. So just focusing on unilateral movements. I know that for Raphael and how we kind of really kind of group this stuff is that once an athlete could demonstrate bilateral movement, you start adding unilateral movements in as another way to challenge posture and position. That if you can maintain posture in this, then obviously you should be able to trans uh, translate it but we never go away from our bread and butter, which is obviously our biggest strength builder. So uh, the unilateral movements um, are never going to be as big of movers for strength gaining as a bilateral type movement. I mean, obviously think about the idea of, um, you know, single arm dumbbell bench versus uh, being able to do a barbell type movement. Now obviously both movements are, are utilized for strength training. But why would you favor one over the other? You wouldn't necessarily do it. You use them in tandem. Um, uh, you know the idea being like, okay, do we want to do single leg hops or single leg box jumps? Okay, both control a lot of, uh, take a lot of time, a lot of posture, position, a lot of balance. But in terms of generating max force, a two legged jump is always going to be obviously more, uh, you know, more beneficial. So I think there becomes this kind of idea, and he has it right in terms of blending a ratio but I don't think you can actually put a specific ratio uh, just kind of basically white plane and say, hey, everybody should be doing this. I think it really depends on the individual and really putting them through. And if he came to the seminar, he went through all of our assessment tools. And if you notice, almost all of our assessment tools are some form of uh, unilateral movements that that's how we really challenge it from our initial debug And a lot of the different movements we start talking about, we really talk about splitting the body up and that helps us assess things. But in terms of creating a stronger organism, I think that there's some benefits for uh, there can be an argument both ways. Uh, The reason that people like Mike Boyle and other strength coaches really favor the unilateral movements is because obviously it is dramatically less loading on the body that obviously you're never going to be able to single leg squat, single leg lunge, what you can when you put a heavy bar on your back. And those guys are so focused with this idea that you're gonna hurt yourself and that, you know, everything has to be this. We'd rather see a lighter, you know, a guy do lighter reps for eight to twelve reps than have her handle a heavy one RM. I know athletes' performance was wrapped around the axle about not asking athletes to hurt themselves, that they would bring somebody in and they were really kind of didn't want to injure guys and that was really their biggest deal. And I really believe that, you know, we always say at seminar do no harm and that, you know, you don't want to hurt people. But I don't believe in hindering progress. Um, you know, like I'm not going to hinder your progress because I don't have the ability to coach you to do a movement. I know all the all the prehab, rehab, and all the stuff that I need to do to effectively get you to lift a heavy weight. And the problem becomes where if I don't have you training with heavy weights, then it yes, it is dangerous for me to ask an athlete to go out there and lift heavy weights. So um, what we do with the program, especially across the football power athlete, is we load it intelligently. That we're constantly Giving our athletes opportunities to lift heavy weights, working up to rep maxes, being able to kind of push the, 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 the outer blends. And if you've done the program, you're no stranger to putting a heavy bar on your back and doing these things. Um, we do program in unilateral movements, but I don't necessarily keep them in terms of like a specific ratio. It's really dependent on each athlete. Uh, you know, the only real ratio we, we adhere to is for push and pulls, that we have about three pulls for every push on the site. Uh, and that's obviously not daily or even weekly, but in terms of when I look at the program as a whole, it kind of breaks up into that. So we always really talk about people that the, uh, all the go-fast muscles are in the back and uh, all the show are in the front. So I, I think that you're um, tipping your hat and using unilateral movements is incredible. I think that's a great way to go. I think it's also, I really like that you start talking about using this corrective exercises and uh, in the warm-ups, especially for your untrained individuals. Um, I think what they do is they, you know, people start freaking out a little bit when you start getting them on one leg and you start getting people to lunge and step. But we also talked about earlier in this deal that the ability to have somebody demonstrate athleticism talks about the ability to seamlessly transition between that X, Y, and Z axis and those lower body primal movements. So definitely putting people in a position to do them and then using, you know, unilateral, whether it's dumbbell, kettlebell, or different movements to necessarily challenge these movements becomes paramount. So, Find the holes. Yeah, fine. At the end of the day, are you finding holes? So it sounds like you're on the, uh, you know, Thomas is on the right track. So let me power through the second one and we'll get done. In a previous episode, there was a discussion of training throwing athletes, especially baseball players. I was wondering if you could expand upon this topic as I am interested in relation to throwing a disc. Here is the video of a movement I believe to be most taxing. I have noticed that many ultimate frisbee players have a significant drop shoulder. And while I have found a lot of information through Eric Cressy, I was wondering what corrective strategies are employed by the athlete Jedi Masters. Keep up the great work. Um, mm-hmm. Since I haven't watched the video,
2: I'll um, pull it up here, John.
1: Okay, no problem. You know, just going back to the unilateral movements that you had that. I know this guy. Overhead dumbbell single arm squat. And I think they were in Tuesday's programming five reps yeah. of the snatch yeah. and then five reps overhead squat. And I I tell you what, man, I kind of felt violated like Luke sitting next to the Hindu booger wiper. It was hard for me to, to uh, keep a good, keep my feet flat as I was descending into that squat, I I was able to figure it out on uh, my right arm, get into a good low squat, toes forward, um, and keep my feet flat at the bottom position. But as soon as I got over to the left arm, I had a tendency to kind of come up on my toes.
0: Yeah, I would have just, I mean, not seeing it, but I would just have you widen your stance. What we found is that uh, a lot of times doing that, uh, position when people go from the power snatch obviously they're in a pulling position that um, I, I know for that movement that I tend to go a little bit wider with my squat and you know it really helps to kinda of sit back in but I mean you know what that was really stressing is obviously that pull and then being able to really focus on that kinda of unilateral shoulder and if you take your right hand and kinda of put it out in front of you you can kinda of balance and also get a little bit of rotation so Um, Mm -hmm. the other thing too, is if you filmed it, it would be interesting to see if that you were getting a lot of torso rotation. I mean, it's kind of what we'd expect. I mean, I'd love for everybody to be able to sit in this like amazing, like overhand one, you know, one handed overhead squat position, uh, you know, with the 50 pound dumbbell, you know, like we have that great picture of, uh, Bobby Longfellow, I think, overhead squatting that keg, and his fucking squat looks amazing with his hands over his head. I Bobby mean,
3: Goodfellow. Was that Bobby well, some Goodfellow? Some people call him
0: Longfellow. <laughs> Longfellow. Goodfellow, it's all the same. But uh, you know, that same position becomes so important. And you start talking about, you know, and uh, the other thing too is people really get kind of idea, like, okay, well, is it a bilateral or unilateral? Well, you can combine the two. I mean, there's an idea of doing a you know, unilater- or bilateral lower body with a unilateral upper body, and you can start mixing and matching, and that's really where we start talking about separating the upper body from the lower body. So, um, you know, we do a lot of uh, unilateral lunging with a bar on our back, obviously, uh, you know, bar overhead, you know, dumbbell two-hand. So, I mean, there's, there's different ways to skin this thing. The, the, I think with programming, as long as you can establish... Uh, why you're doing something and more importantly establish a need and then you can kind of assess that your athletes strong, stable and healthy and that they're doing the movement well, Um, then I think there's a need for it. The problem is we start randomly throwing things out there without progression that all of a sudden, hey, I'm going to start working on a you know, let's get somebody to do a one-hand or a single-arm overhead squat with a dumbbell, but I have not effectively taught them to squat. I have not taught them to overhead squat. I haven't even taught them how to do an overhead squatting, you know, or overhead lunging, single-arm overhead lunge. So at least then they're actually familiar with the movement, then I think you get into problems. So, I mean, really looking at, like, hey, this is what I want to do down the road and then having progression and it becomes paramount. Uh, watching the guys throw the Frisbee, um... When you say have a significant drop shoulder, I think what you're talking about is uh, elevated and rotated, that they're kind of an internally rotated shoulder to be in that position. We obviously know that the shoulder on the front of the scapula is a much more dangerous position than actually dynamically throwing across the body. So we'd always talk about drop and retract that shoulder blade. How do we teach that? Our best way is obviously our vertical pull, manual resistance model, and then also teaching a heavy back squat, where we teach that it's kind of shoulders dropped and retract and driving that bar off the back. So, uh, big thing we really stress at the CrossFit football seminar is talking about posture and position, and then all the movements that we do to challenge posture and position. And you know, I always ask people, well, why do you lift weights? And uh, you know, people always say, oh, to be strong, be powerful, and they give me all these kind of Um, you know, broad stroke answers. And at the end of the day, why are we lifting weights? We're usually using external resistance to challenge posture and position. It just so happens that the external resistance that we're choosing is barbells. So can you maintain posture and position through full ranges of motion using external force? And uh, I think how you fix a lot of this stuff and you work on that is teaching proper position and posture through the training and through the movement so that by the time your athlete translate, translates and moves on to the field where all of a sudden their direct response and the water finds its level, where they'll go back to what they know because we obviously know that nobody ever rises to the occasion, people just fall to the level of their training. So obviously what you're going to have to do is just focus that in the training and really work on that drop and retracted shoulder position.
2: <clears throat> so I think we hammered that and I mean, Denny, tax anything to add on that end?
4: Uh, yeah, just piggybacking off of John, the uh, step one should always teach the right kinetic alignment, and then the unilateral is a way to assess with immediate feedback. So like Denny is an example, your right arm was good, and then as soon as you pulled it over to your left, something was wrong. So it's just you got to look at that left arm now. So just uh, unilateral movements, good way for immediate feedback for a coach.
2: Good stuff. Do we
0: answer his questions? I think we beat it to death. Yeah. Yeah, we're good.
1: All right. What else, Danny? What do we got? Well, that's uh, that's it for what we got in the dock. Hit everything. We got any more questions, some those from the live audience?
2: Yeah, a couple came in. Uh, <laughs> Steve uh, Benarski asked about the. Remember last week we were talking about.
3: The basket, uh, the basket climb. toss,
2: and the rope climb, and we didn't do it. We chickened out. We chickened ah.
3: out. Oh, it would have been so good.
2: Oh, uh, so good.
3: It's not off. It's not totally off the radar, though. I mean, yeah. the, we. It just needed some like, like we just need to tweak it a little bit, get it perfect.
2: Well, one of our other.
3: Someone died when we were practicing. Yeah,
2: right? we, <laughs> we had to fill in uh, a team member quickly because someone.
3: <laughs> someone broke. Didn't make
2: it themselves. But uh, what else? No, I think it was one of our coaches jacked their wrist up a while back, and he just wasn't comfortable basket tossing. I think we would have done it if he was uh,
3: 100%. For sure.
2: Yeah. For sure. We just got to
3: take him out back and just end it.
2: Yeah. Good, uh, He's a broken <laughs> animal. Old, old Yeller style.
3: Old <laughs> Yeller, just look at the horizon.
2: Uh, And then AJ Belch asked about... Uh, we had a, our fashion First function post, and we talked a little bit about shoes, and people were talking about oldie shoes and flats, and what are the best shoes? And-
3: Some heated debate going on there recently. I love it.
2: Yeah, um, but I, I mentioned you know what I use personally, and most of our coaches here we wear just old canvas vans, or like not old, like well, except for me. i find if I find them on the street, I'm wearing them, but. <laughs> Uh, like, uh, the old school That explains your,
3: your Crocs recently. As Jesse
2: Burdick told us, uh, our team shoe is Keds, so we wear <laughs> a lot of Keds. But, uh, what's nice about them is they're flat. They have a pretty tight seam between the sole and the canvas, like, toe, uh, toe pocket? Is that what you call it? Toe pick.
3: I don't know. They come in my size.
2: And, uh, <laughs> so, like, if you're doing any sort of lateral stuff, it works great. So far, these haven't ripped. They're
3: pretty close, Kelly, we think. They yeah, got that crack weird.
2: in the rubber, but... I mean, if
3: I can't see your pinky toe coming out the side they're <laughs> they're still good.
2: But uh I think we're we're probably going to be posting on like a shoes article, aren't we, Tex? Isn't that in the pipeline? Uh, yeah, I got a rough draft. Yeah, I got a rough draft built up. I'll send that's, it over. Is spicy. it actually built up or are you just giving us the it's done but it's in your head done? Uh well, no, my whole premise
4: was fashion and function for shoes, but then Callie did a better job than me. So now yeah. I got to rethink my approach.
3: That will happen.
4: Well, you don't admit that shit on the radio, dude. (laughs)
3: Listen, I know fashion.
4: (laughs) That's what I
0: think every day when I see you.
3: Shut up. (laughs) Listen, there's the going out flannel. There's the casual flannel. There's the training flannel. (laughs) <laughs>
0: God, I got this great picture of Callie out at the bar the other night.
3: Show no, me. No. No. We got to go. We got to so, go. Look on her face. I've, I've never
0: seen a girl more disinterested in who she was talking to. I got to go. Like, Callie we was actually, go. one eye was completely closed, and the other <laughs> look was like, I was like, she's sleeping at the bar while talking to and
2: That's this not, not to mention that uh, Callie had
3: six shots of
2: Malort's. But, uh, <laughs> if anyone knows what Malort's is? So, uh, so uh,
0: uh, yeah, B- she, was just best was best get
2: her, she was just about to get her mean on.
3: It was... It was some sleepy time medicine. That's mama's medicine.
2: <laughs> so has uh, Tex. We went over to one of our members' house for the after party, and I brought over a bot <laughs> of, a bottle of Malort's and was pouring after dinner shots. And people you can't are just give like, that stuff away. What is um, people So people ask me worry. like
3: people what? ask me like what is it What is it like? And I was like, you know, honestly, I can say this. I've never tasted anything quite like it in my life.
4: It's a Chicago favorite.
3: It's a Chicago thing, and it says on the back. It, the, it literally uses the words, this has a terrible taste.
4: <laughs> and it no, it, to two it, it fisted caters time. to two-fisters.
3: Yeah. Two-fisted drinkers. Two-fisted
2: yeah. drinkers. Uh, it's a shot from, uh, there's a bar I used to go to. I don't know if I've told you about this place. In no, what's it called? The oh, Is it oh. a oh.
3: Tell, is it tell us more. I've uh, <laughs> never heard about
2: it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you guys later.
3: Okay. Button. Well, maybe we should button this thing up
2: before it gets a little too far. before it
3: data.
0: starts going down the path we all want. I
3: have to I have to do the open workout in like an hour. That's why Can you've
0: been over here work? visiting well, the whole time. That, I, I, that's I, because I, you I, brought
3: a coffee machine here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're gonna get shit done. <laughs> but,
1: uh, hey, so the open workout's gonna be announced today. are we We're gonna put up uh, that spreadsheet. Yeah, like last shoot.
2: time? Yeah, we'll get a link we'll get a link up to it.
1: Cool. The
3: goose.
2: We'll get it on, put that link, um, we'll put that link in,
1: where are we going to put that link? Uh,
3: You're
1: going to put it on CrossFit Power Football athlete. or put it on Power Athlete?
3: A link to Power Athlete to the link.
1: Yeah, we're going to
2: link from CrossFit Football to Callie's Facebook page. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it will be broadcast. Let me just commit to that. i got to think about the best places. Either it'll be most likely on CrossFit Football, but I want to have a link on uh, both Power Athlete and CrossFit Football.
3: Sound All good? Right. All right. All right good, good luck to everyone um, on the open workout. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.
2: What else? Do we have any shameless plugs, John? Uh,
0: shameless plugs.
3: The Badges you for, for Life. Competition. Oh, yeah.
0: Badges for Life. Uh, obviously, our sponsor and best friend, Well Food Co. Um, don't yeah. sound so enthusiastic. I know, Jesus. I mean, it's amazing. So stuff. I, I'm i just, like, completely blown away the fact that... Uh, it's already, right, like, right on the horizon. What's that? Bro, the badges. Oh, life. yeah, was, yeah, like, yeah. Right ba- around badge the Badge for life. we got to get that thing pubbed.
2: Yeah. We go uh, we're in, Callie and Tex are laying it down at Professor Booty's gym this weekend across the football seminar. That's
3: right.
1: They've been practicing their movie quotes. He wants to do a workout, too, remember? Huh? He wants to do... Uh, well, yeah, that one time you wanted to do the open workout, but that,
3: that lunch hour falls right around my nap time. So all I ask is that when they do the open, that they don't drop the bar so I can take a nap.
1: <laughs> I think he uh, kind of wants you to do it too.
3: Again, if only if I really, really suck on the first time around. Uh, Odds
2: but, are, Callie will do it again. I'll do it Saturday. again. You know like, what?
3: I get jazzed. Yeah. I get a little jazzed. There's no
2: way. There's no way you're not, especially if it's something that is. Body weight, and you're gonna get ten more reps. All you gotta do is do it twice.
3: Ah uh, no, nah.
0: just. Uh, We're taking any bets on what we think it is. No. Max
2: burpees, seven minutes. I bet she'll be like uh, the burpee deal. Yeah, bur- like burpee burpees, box, box, box jumps. jumps. I hope so. Yeah. I don't well, uh, at all.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Callie just wants to su- wants to uh, suffer. She I, wants hope, to hurt I hope herself. it's a. I she wants
3: to cut herself. I hope it's a five k, like a leisurely five k.
2: In place. On camera. In,
3: yeah.
2: in place on camera. How about... Ten minutes of high uh, knees. How about
0: <laughs> every box jump is equal to one step and then you have to measure your steps and then however many steps go into a 5K, that's how many box jumps you have to do.
3: What? It's a complicated... It sounds pretty
0: easy to coach, measure, yeah, judge. Yeah, so every step is three feet, every box jump, so then three feet divided by a 5K. So you got to do
2: 3.2 miles. Cut that in half,
3: jumps. double it, that's your score. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
2: Uh... Yeah, so I guess uh, if you're in HP area, you want to get involved. You check out badges for life.
3: Selling out already. Yeah, we have we uh, a, teams. Yeah, teams we got some already teams registered. Up.
2: It's gonna be legit. And then uh, team series. Do you want to just yeah. tease with the dates?
3: Okay, I will tease with the dates. So we have finalized the dates for the team series. Um, The first, uh, the regional, I guess you could say the uh, battle before the actual war is going to be September, the weekend of the 13th and 14th, and then the finals will be held October 11th and 12th. Uh, So put that on your calendar now, um, coming to a city near you if your city is uh, uh, worthy, and we're going to put a list of the cities out, and um, just start getting your team assembled. No different, two men, two women. Uh, I guess a little different than last year because we had the one woman, but um, two men, two women, and uh, we'll forge forward with Pats.
2: That's all we got for now. What do we got next week, Denny?
1: Next week, well, we'll recap uh, the Open. Okay. Definitely that. We got some power athlete submissions to get into. Um, There's just a lot of them out there really really haven't finalized anything. So
2: awesome. And I guess one thing that
1: feedback from the nation, you know.
2: And then one thing one thing that really I guess we could kind of plug right now is once membership goes live, there's three levels of membership. Um we're going to be doing exclusive roundtables uh with John and other coaches uh in John's network and Power Athlete HQ staff and we've been batting around the idea that you know we're going to be going live here in March. Uh probably the second or third weekend in March depending on our schedule, which I'm looking at now. Uh, Second or third weekend, we're going to be doing a roundtable discussion on either nutrition or programming. So uh, that's going to be legit more details to follow after that, but that's going to be available exclusively to uh, the professional members on Power Athlete HQ, so check that out too. There will be more details surfacing over the next 10 days.
3: Next week's seminar, get signed up. If you're around the Phoenix area in Arizona,
2: yeah, do it. We're gonna be an AZ. Let's do it.
3: Luke Summers. But uh, all right. Carrie Hindleman, I'll be there.
2: <laughs> let's 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 wrap it up. Let's call it a wrap. Is that what they say? It's a wrap.
3: It's a wrap, folks. You. It's been fun. All
1: right, awesome. See you guys. Great show. Great show. Take care. All right. Take care.